This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. A reading from the Passion of Jesus according to the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other thief rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed have been condemned justly. For we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon. Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. While the sun's light failed, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw what had taken place, They returned home beating their breasts. All of his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. It's possible that we know the story so well that we might not know it at all. Um, This is a brutal killing. And not one person, but three, done by an unholy and violent alliance between religion and the state. It's actually one of the commandments, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. And yet there is a lot of killing in the Hebrew Bible. Moses comes down from the mountaintop and when he sees the people worshiping a golden calf, he of course throws a fit and he orders 3,000 people slaughtered in one day. King David orders his son Solomon a death wish to avenge at all costs the deaths of Abner and Amasa by the killing of Joab someday. In Leviticus, a whole number of sins are required to be punished by death, including murder and incest and bearing false witness at a trial and adultery and idolatry, which is putting anything else before God. 
same gender sex. There's a lot of killing in the Hebrew Bible, what we sometimes call the Old Covenant. But in the New Covenant, in the Christian Scriptures, that doesn't happen. The killing all stops. There is no more animal sacrifice. There is no more human sacrifice. There is no required death penalty. There is no angry God. Jesus died on a cross at the hands of a bunch of angry people. Stephen will be stoned in the streets by angry people who would rather have an angry God than the God of Jesus. Jesus, risen from the dead, will confront and ultimately convert Paul, who persecuted the early church and was standing there the day that Stephen got stoned. And Paul, all of his life, would refer to himself because of that incident, I am sure, the chief of sinners. But that's it in the New Testament. Jesus is crucified. Stephen is stoned. John has his head served on a silver platter, all done by Herod, not by the followers of Jesus. Killing is not part of the ethic of Jesus. It's all been building to this moment in the Gospel of Luke, this moment when it just flowed through as such a small part of the story, when the temple curtain, which is where the sacrifices happen, where the blood is let, the curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. Very early on in his ministry, Jesus forecasts that for us. Right there after the Beatitudes, Jesus says, You've heard it said, you shall not commit murder, and anyone who commits murder is going to be judged. But I say, anyone who's angry, anyone who calls someone a fool has committed murder. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. I tell you, anyone who looks lustfully at someone else has already committed adultery. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you so that you may all be children of the same heavenly Father. All of which, all of that teaching makes this conversation between three people who are being brutally executed on the verge of death really, really strange. I used to think that It's a story about one of the thieves getting it right. I'm not so sure that they didn't both get it right. You see, Jesus, especially when I'm dying on the cross next to him, doesn't look like the king of anything to me. Whipped, mocked, spit on, brutalized, hanging on a cross. And one of the guys hanging on the cross says, hey, aren't you God? Aren't you the Messiah? Save us. Which doesn't sound that much different than Peter when he's walking on the water and starts to sink and he says, Lord, save us. Save us. The other guy thinks that it's all about getting what you deserve. That's a lot to internalize when you're hanging on the cross for what you deserve. Giving people what they deserve. We're guilty. He's not. We're getting what we deserve. We deserve to die. Says who? 
not the guy on a cross in between them. You have heard it said, said Jesus early on, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, just turn the other cheek. If someone takes your shirt, hand them your coat as well. Maybe giving people what they deserve is not the way of God. I know how I heard it for years. One thief gets it right. The one thief that has the right answer, the right answer, which is, duh, Jesus. And Jesus did tell him that day that you'll be with me in paradise when my kingdom comes, when my will is done. But play it out. So where's the other guy? Where's the other thief? Will he not be with Jesus in paradise? When the will of Jesus is done, when his kingdom comes, will some get what they deserve and others not? And maybe you haven't been there, but I definitely have. I'm with the family of a deceased person and the conversation goes something like this. It's very sheepish every time. Old Uncle Billy, you know, Pastor, he wasn't really a church person. We don't really know what he believed. And we don't really know where he is now. Oh. Maybe that's not the point. Maybe with God you don't get what you deserve. Maybe, maybe you get what God wants to give you. Which is extravagant, radical, relentless mercy. It was Mahatma Gandhi who once said, Freely accepted suffering is the greatest force the world has ever known. Maybe that's the point in the Gospel of Luke of all this conversation about Jesus being innocent. And let's be clear, Luke is really hammering that point throughout this reading. Jesus is tried early on in this lesson, convicted of false charges. Pilate and Herod themselves can't find anything to actually crucify him for. The daughters of Jerusalem are told to not weep for Jesus, weep for everybody else who's innocent in this world. And one criminal said to the other, this this guy's done nothing wrong. Even Jesus' last words, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, are not nervous words, but words of confidence. The very soldier who could have nailed Jesus to the cross says, certainly this man was innocent. The freely accepted innocent suffering of Jesus, the Son of God, is the greatest force that the world has ever known. What if the point of Jesus' death was not to change God's mind, but to change ours? What if the innocent suffering of Jesus was supposed to have an effect upon us? Was supposed to touch us at our deepest level of being? What if the innocent suffering of Jesus was for all of us, not just those who have the right answers or who are on the right side or who live the right way? What if... What if we are unconditionally accepted, loved, forgiven, saved... And always have been because that's the way God is. But we know that and can trust that because of Christ's innocent suffering and death. Here's what's troubled me in the passage. 
one of the criminals says, don't you fear God? Admittedly, I'm not hanging on a cross. But no, I don't. I don't fear God. No, because Jesus, the innocent, suffering servant who gave his life for the world and rose from the dead said, you will be with me in paradise. Kayla Faye Tucker was the first woman executed in the United States since 1984. She was the first woman executed in the state of Texas since the Civil War. At 23, she was involved in a brutal murder of two people while she was strung out on drugs with her boyfriend. She admitted that evening her guilt. In prison, in fact, while still in the Houston County Jail, she took, and that's the right word, she stole from a prison ministry a Bible. She didn't realize that everybody gets one for free. She stole a Bible. So she'd have something to read in her cell. And she told Larry King, I didn't know what I was reading. Before I knew it, I was in the middle of my cell floor on my knees and I was just asking God to forgive me. And I know that he did. Wow. February 3rd, 1998, she was executed when a conservative Christian governor named George W. Bush, refused her appeal. Her last words, I would like to say to all of you that I am so sorry for my actions. I hope God will now give you peace. I love all of you very much. I'm going to be face to face with Jesus now. I'll see you when you get there too. Happy are they whose sins are forgiven and those whose sin is put away. Happy are they to whom the Lord imputes no guilt in whose spirit there is no guile. 